In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I welcome you this fourth Sunday of Advent with angelic words. Greetings, O favored ones. The Lord is with you almost. But it is getting close. And with this pandemic, the entire world is in a situation where, as the song says, we just need a little Christmas right this very minute, which, of course, is always true. The season of Christmas is great for us Christians, but it's really good for the world also. This world has been officially in pandemic since March 12th, and we still don't know what to expect. But the church has been in Advent since November 29th, and over that time, the liturgy, the readings, the songs, the hymns, the prayers have been pointing us toward what wondrous things are coming. And even with all this preparation, Christmas still surprises and delights us. In today's gospel, the first wondrous surprise for Mary was what we call the Annunciation, both wondrous and frightening as well. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. First the angel, then that troubling greeting, and then this statement, that she would conceive a son, and that he would be great, and that she should call his name Jesus, God saves, for he would save us from our sins. This announcement came nine months before Christmas, and that would put it in March. And when she heard all this, she was troubled and totally bewildered. How shall this be, she said, since I am a virgin? I have not known a man in this way. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that is biblical language. It means God himself will cause this to happen. So how shall this impossibility be? This is how it shall be. God will do it. For with God, all things are possible. Mary not only was surprised, she was stunned by the appearance of the angel. She was shocked by his greeting. She was confused by what he said. She obviously was troubled by what her part was to be. Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Even that greeting 
troubled her. Why was she favored? What, what does that mean? Was it something that she had done? Had she done something right to gain the Lord's favor? And if she had, what was it? How had her past life brought favor with the Lord? Now, if Mary thought this, she was thinking like most of us think, that favor with the Lord has to do what we have done. That is, with our past. After all, he is the judge of all things. Am I right? Unto him, all hearts are open, all desires known. From him, no secrets are hid. He, God, sees us. He knows our lives, how we act, how we think. And if we think and do those things that are right, then we will gain God's favor. Right? No, it's not how it works, but it's how we usually think it works. And isn't this how the nation of Israel had come to understand their life with God? Favor if they please him, disaster if they don't. So it would be safe to assume that Mary, a daughter of Israel, would also think about God in this way. But what if there was another way of understanding favor? What if instead of her past, the Lord's favor had to do with her future? That the Most High wanted, let us say, to do her a favor. Now doing someone a favor is a common enough understanding and usage of the word favor. We're all familiar with it. Doing someone a favor, the dictionary defines as an act of kindness beyond what is due or what is usual. So what if God not only wanted to do Mary a favor, what if God wanted to do a favor for the whole world? And what if God wanted to do a kindness for the human race beyond what is due, beyond what we know we deserve, beyond anything we have known, beyond anything we can imagine? So now you see this is beginning to make sense. What if the Lord wanted to give the world something grand and wonderful, like for example, Christianity. Now, how might he go about that? Well, from what we know of the Lord from the Old Testament, we might expect him to involve people in his plans. We know that the Lord God first involved Abraham long, long ago, and he told Abraham that he, God, had a plan. He planned to bless Abraham with many descendants who then would be a blessing to all nations, that is, to all people. 
Abraham initially had his doubts about this plan. The main hitch was that he and Sarah had no children and were too old even to think about it. So how could this plan ever happen? When the Lord revealed the plan to Abraham, Sarah was eavesdropping by the tent door, and she overheard, and she laughed out loud. She scoffed. It was preposterous. Children at their age? No way. Sarah wasn't stunned, shocked, confused, or troubled like Mary. She just didn't believe it. Not for a second. But Abraham, we are told, did believe, and we think, as we are wont to do, that this won the Lord's favor. But the interesting thing about all this is that the Lord granted favor to Sarah also, even though she was completely skeptical. So much for the way we tend to think. The Lord's favor in Abraham's case might have been because of his belief, but in Sarah's case, it was a free gift, a divine kindness. He just did her a favor out of his own goodness, despite her unbelief. And when her baby boy Isaac was born, then she was stunned, shocked, amazed, and incredibly thankful. So if the Lord wanted to do a favor for the whole of humanity, he would probably involve some people, like he involved Abraham and Sarah. Not a lot of people at first, that's not his way, but just a few. Luke tells us of just a few. The priest, Zechariah, his wife, Elizabeth, and their son, John, John the Baptist. Then Mary and Joseph, whom she married, and the baby born in a stable and laid in a manger. A few shepherds the wise men, about a dozen involved at first in that great plan we know as Christianity. But as we know from Christianity, a lot can happen when the Lord involves a dozen people in his plans. So this first Advent season was actually nine months long, from the time of the angel's announcement to the birth of the baby Jesus. This child's life, so like our lives in so many ways, was ultimately a life like none other. This child was to grow up to change the course of human history to impact the lives of not only those of his time, but countless souls across the centuries and all across the face of the earth. At last count, adherents to Christianity number 2.4 billion. 
one-third of the world's population. And listen to this from Professor Yaroslav Pelikan, the professor of history emeritus at Yale University, and I quote, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for 20 centuries. It is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. It is by his name that millions curse, and it is in his name that millions pray. The dominant figure in all of Western history. And this of a child born, born to a young girl in an obscure Near Eastern village in a place on earth far from the seats of power and wealth, in a rural and unsophisticated land under the military control of a foreign power. So the angel in today's gospel proposes God's plan to do a favor for the whole world in the birth of the child Jesus. And Mary, not so worldly wise or skeptical as Sarah, simply says to the angel, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary gives herself over to God's plan and the angel departs from her, but the Lord stays with her. Hail, O favored one, he had said, the Lord is with you. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, has remained a figure of admiration and even adoration, revered throughout Christian history. And not only by Roman Catholics. There is a lovely Protestant song, Mary, Did You Know, which we will sing today in just a couple of minutes. I looked the song up on the internet. It had a lot of hits. 251,702,848. I made it 849. Both Protestants and Catholics are struck by the figure of this girl God involved in his plans to do us all a favor. Obviously, Mary carried Jesus in her womb throughout that first advent. The Eastern Orthodox Christians, therefore, like to call her Theotokos, Theos God, Tokos to carry, the God-bearer. Roman Catholics call her the mother of God. Anglicans call her Mary. <laughs> but titles aside, it seems clear that Mary stayed the course and remain true to God's plan throughout her life. Certainly her raising of the child Jesus has to be admired. Whatever 
It was that she as a mother did when the time came, Jesus was able to do what God the Father desired. And we know from Scripture she felt the tension between her love for her son and his calling from God. But she remained true to her calling as a handmaid of the Lord and as the mother to her son. Both Jesus and Mary, part of God's favor, part of the greatest of God's gifts to the world that he so loves. This birth was a gift without precedent, a stupendous and undeserved favor to a darkened world. It was not a reward for our righteous behavior, but rather given to us because of our failings and our needs. It's a favor that hits the spot, the weak spots. It's a gift which closes out the past and opens us to a future with God. So now as the worship team prepares to lead us in Mary, did you know? Let us be mindful of the wonder of Advent and Christmas, and not only for Christians and churchgoers, but also for those who are not so persuaded. You know, the coming of Christmas rubs off on all of us. People seem to be sweetened and softened and become gracious and more caring at this time than at any other time of the year. So we, we truly do need a little Christmas. Though some may be as skeptical as Abraham's Sarah, yet through this gift of Christmas, they too are favorite ones. And the Lord draws near to them. So now, the Lord be with you. Stir up your power, O Lord. And with great might come among us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Please stand. Thank you.